Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here, and today we're going to be talking about natural remedies for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and specifically I want to talk to you about how, or rather, five or so therapies and treatments that help lower antithyroid antibodies. Um, so let's jump into this. We're going to talk about five areas here, and this is a uh, remake of a video that I did a long time ago with some updated information, and so things have changed, and so I want to update this. So number one, the first thing that you should do if you have Hashimoto's or um, if you have elevated thyroid antibodies, and whether or not your labs are normal, by the way, this is still pertinent to you, is get on the right diet for your body. Now, most of you are probably eating somewhat of a healthy diet already. And by that, I mean you're not eating the standard American diet, which would include things like inflammatory fats. You're not eating out at restaurants and things like that all the time. You're probably trying to eat real whole foods. And that's great. That's a great step up from the standard American diet. Um, however, that's insufficient for a lot of you because there are many different types of healthy diets. And your body is going to do better on generally one type of diet, which includes and excludes certain types of foods. And so finding that diet for you can be somewhat difficult and somewhat tricky, um, but it does take some time. So just getting from, well, you know, if you're going from the standard American diet and you're picking any healthy diet, you're going to do great. But if you're already on a healthy diet, um, as defined previously, then you might need to make some changes. And that's why I want to talk about specific dietary protocols that I've seen help Hashimoto's patients. So the first one is the autoimmune paleo diet or AIP diet for short. This is a pretty effective, I shouldn't say pretty effective, it's, it's very effective at lowering TPO antibodies um, in Hashimoto's patients. However, it's not the first diet I recommend for a lot of people. But I do want to introduce this to you here if you're not already aware of it. The AIP diet is very restrictive. It's like a paleo type diet. Um, however, it excludes nuts and nightshades from the paleo diet. So it's even more restrictive than the paleo diet. Um, one of the potential problems with the AIP diet is that some people who go on it, they restrict the, their the amount of foods or the types of foods that they can consume. And then if they try and reintroduce healthy foods like even nuts or almonds or whatever, uh, nightshades, they now find themselves intolerant to some of those healthy foods. And that's not a good situation that you want to be in. So because of that, I generally reserve um, the AAP diet for those people who have multiple autoimmune conditions on top of their Hashimoto's. So if you have Hashimoto's plus vitiligo or Hashimoto's plus type 1 diabetes, things like that, when you have multiple sets of um, autoimmune diseases or you have failed some of these other diets, you might want to consider the AIP diet. I have lots of information that you can click to on my website about, um, I have case studies where I've used it, I have um, some of the pros and cons of using the diet, you can check all those out on my website. The next one that I want to talk about is the elimination diet. Um, this is probably my preferred type of diet that I recommend most people do. Um, what it is, is basically the whole goal of the elimination diet is to try and eliminate certain food groups that your body is intolerant toward, to. And, and what you might find is that sometimes even though foods are technically healthy or they fit into this, you know, broad category of healthy foods, they may be reactive or they may, you may react negatively to those foods. And it's, it's a difficult task trying to figure out which you respond to well and which you don't respond to. So there's kind of two ways you can go about doing this. You can, first, you can test yourself with a delayed IgG food sensitivity test, um, which, which tells you if you have IgG antibodies towards any of these certain food groups. Now, that's one way to do it. I used to do that uh, more frequently. Uh, I don't do that so much anymore. The reason is I don't feel that the test is highly accurate. 
I think what happens is you have a lot of cross-reactivity, and if you have any sort of inflammation, it'll flag the test as, you know, you being intolerant to many foods, of which some may be true and some some are not necessarily true. So I'm not a huge fan of that. The second way is to just remove the most common food allergies and then monitor your symptoms over a period of time as you reintroduce those foods. There's a lot of ways to do this, um, but I think you can I think you can do this fairly well as long as you are, you know, as long as you're listening to your body, figuring out how you respond to these foods, what happens to you when you add them back into your diet. Um, but you do need a lot of time um, and it's going to take a lot of trial and error to do this. The next one is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free diet. Um, if you're new to all of this sort of diet stuff and this is, you know, kind of perhaps sounding confusing to you, this would probably be the place that you would want to start. This diet just simply eliminates gluten, dairy, and soy, which are common allergens or um, that people with Hashimoto's react to negatively. And there's been studies that show that removing dairy in Hashimoto's patients um, reduces their TSH, which is a good thing. So it normalizes the TSH. Same thing with gluten. Up to 2 to 5% of all patients with Hashimoto's have also have celiac disease. And then, of course, there's a large majority of those of other patients who don't have celiac disease who have non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So, and then soy as well can interfere with your um, thyroid medication absorption. And it, there's some studies that suggest it might be goitrogenic as well. So a lot of reasons to, to avoid those three diets if you have Hashimoto's or thyroid disease in general. Then the last sort of diet we'll talk about, we won't go into detail on this one, which is the low FODMAPs diet. This is a special type of diet which reduces certain carbohydrates um, based off their length. Um, and it turns out that a lot of patients um, who have Hashimoto's have gut issues. This is probably not a surprise to you. Many of you suffer from constipation. Um, and a lot of you have other issues such as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And this diet is specific to treating those conditions. So that's why it can be potentially beneficial. So that was just the diet area. Um, number two is you may want to consider using androgens, specifically testosterone or DHEA. So it turns out, and this is something that has been well known, but patients especially, um, well, let's just say patients who develop Hashimoto's tend to predominantly be women. And we know that women have a much smaller degree or a much smaller amount of testosterone in their bodies compared to men. And so this got people thinking, they thought, well, maybe the reason that men seem to be protected from autoimmune disease has to do with testosterone. And so they started to test um, people with autoimmune disease and they found that, yes, in fact, the majority of them um, have low testosterone, especially when they develop autoimmune diseases. So it may be that this low testosterone um, is predisposing you to developing autoimmune disease, especially Hashimoto's. And so this, this I find to be true. Now, it's not always true with all hypothyroid patients. However, what I do see commonly is that there's one group of, of women, especially who get Hashimoto's, who have low testosterone. And then there's another group of women who tend to have high testosterone. And those women who have high testosterone tend to have PCOS-like symptoms, symptoms, whereas those women with low testosterone tend to have Hashimoto's and they tend to have a, a different set of symptoms. But it's a, they both have thyroid disease, but a different flavor of thyroid disease, depending on whether te their testosterone is high or low. There's a number of ways that testosterone um, and androgens can, can help your immune system by balancing the Th1 and Th2 immune response. Um, in some cases, they can lower autoimmunity um, in the body and may even potentially suppress it. They can help with weight loss. And then, of course, they can also help increase your sex drive. So there's plenty of reasons to use testosterone if you find that you're low. And the way that you do that is just simply by testing. You can actually just look in the blood and, and take a look. It's, it's actually quite simple. And so whenever you check your, your thyroid, especially if this is your first time, definitely order both your free and total testosterone. And what I recommend is that uh, what you'll probably see if you have Hashimoto's is that your testosterone free and total will be around in the bottom one third of the reference range. And you want to flip that and get it into the top one third of the reference range. 
And you can do that through the use of gels, creams, pellets, injections, etc. And as you increase your testosterone, you'll probably find um, that your antibodies will will reduce, and that you'll you'll feel a lot better. Um, your symptoms will reduce or improve as well. So there's a lot of reasons to potentially look at that. Now, beware if you're using DHEA. Remember, so you you'll need a prescription if you want testosterone. So a lot of people they they opt to go for DHEA instead of testosterone, and that can be potentially good and bad. So DHEA can be converted either into androgens via one pathway or to estrogens via another pathway. So, And you don't really have control over that. Your body does. So you can take DHEA, which is the precursor to both of those, and your body may not make any extra testosterone and may make an excess of estrogen, which can cause a whole lot of other symptoms. So be very cautious if you use DHEA because you won't be able to control which hormones your body makes as a result of using it. Number three is uh, third therapy is to consider using vitamins and minerals. Uh, I'm going to talk about three specifically here. There's lots that we can talk about, um, but specifically I want to focus on zinc, selenium, and then vitamin D. So zinc, you probably have heard of a lot about. Zinc's a, it's an antioxidant. Um, it helps reduce inflammation. It's needed for T4 to T3 conversion. It reduces oxidative stress in the body. And selenium largely does the same thing as well. Um, selenium helps uh, boost T4 to T3 conversion as well, but it also helps, it appears to be protective, um, for, protect, it protects against inflammation directly in your thyroid gland. Um, and the absence of selenium seems to be one of the, the triggers that can cause inflammation, auto, autoimmunity, um, in the thyroid gland itself. And so replacing, generally, if you have a deficiency in one, you have a deficiency in the other. And so I generally recommend using both zinc and selenium together. Um, I have a supplement which contains both. T3 Conversion Booster contains both of those in addition to vitamin D. Um, and I find that it works really well. So if you're not taking zinc or selenium already and you have Hashimoto's, you may want to try that. You don't have to use this supplement. You can use whatever, whichever formulation you would like. Um, but I wanted to show you that one. I've had good success in using it. The last thing I want to talk about is vitamin D. Again, it's it's been shown that people with hot, um, autoimmune disease have very low levels of vitamin D, and that's true also of uh, those with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Now, what isn't clear, however, is how to increase your vitamin D. Most people just say, you know, take a supplement, you'll raise your vitamin D, which it will, um, but I'm not convinced that just forcing the number up has any benefit on your body in the long term. So what I recommend is use a little bit of supplementation, usually, you know, 500 to 1,000 IUs per day. But try and get as much vitamin D as you can through the all-natural way, which is through sunshine. And I have, I have uh, information on my blog on how to do that. You can just click this link and it should take you right there. It talks about how to get it the all-natural way. Um, but that's the way that you want to do it. So vitamin D is important, but it, but it matters how you get it. Okay, so just put that in the back of your mind. Um, number four, the fourth therapy I want to talk about today is improving your gut function. So... There's a, I probably don't need to explain to you the importance of the gut in terms of teaching your body the difference between good and bad and um, what happens to the immune system when particles get through your body, um, which can trigger autoimmune disease through molecular mimicry and things like that. So just uh, let me just say briefly that it, having the structural integrity of your gut lining um, at 100% is very important if you have any sort of autoimmune disease. But I want to focus less on the gut in general and more upon one or two um, specific um, conditions that I see a lot of patients with Hashimoto suffer from, which tend to be underdiagnosed, which is why I want to hit on them. And that happens to be small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and small intestinal fungal overgrowth. Overgrowth. Those would have been termed SIBO for short or CIFO with an F for fungal overgrowth as well. And something about, and studies have put the number of people who have these conditions with hypothyroidism at about 54%. So there's a one in two chance that you have that if you, we were just sampling random people with this disease. So it's a high, high percentage. And a, not a lot of people, not a lot of doctors or even uh, patients are aware that they may have this.
So symptoms of these conditions include gas or bloating, especially you know within 30 to 60 minutes after a meal, chronic constipation or diarrhea, history of vaginal yeast infections or intestinal yeast overgrowth, if you've known that you've had that before, history of acid reflux, history of diabetes or peripheral neuropathy, and then history of vagal nerve issues. So that might be you know getting lightheaded as you stand up and things like that. The vagal nerve controls a lot of uh, functions. But if you have any of those symptoms, there's a good chance you might have this. And there are some treatments that you can do, um, which I outlined over here. I won't go over those specifically because they're in this article, but you can read about those. Um, it's quite a complicated topic to treat it, but generally you, you, can, you can do a lot. Uh, if you don't know where to start or if this sounds confusing to you, it doesn't have to be. Just starting with a good probiotic is, is a great place to start. It may not be enough, but a lot of people see significant improvement just with using the right type of probiotics. And then the last one I want to talk about is low LDN or low dose naltrexone. Um, if you haven't heard of LDN before, this is a prescription medication. Uh, LDN is an opiate blocker. Um, so what it's used to do conventionally is it's used to treat um, alcohol addiction um, by blocking the the opioids from activating your cells. And what it what it, what we think happens when you take LDN um, is that you temporarily block the um, cellular activation of endorphins on your cells, which causes a chain reaction, which causes your body to naturally increase more endorphins. And it's felt that those endorphins educate the immune system and help lower um, antibodies and also inflammation and also chronic pain. So there's some newer studies that show that this can be effective. And just anecdotally, I've used it, this medication a lot on patients, especially with Hashimoto's and even those with just with um, weight issues. And I find pretty good success rates. I would say somewhere on the order of 40 to maybe 60% of patients who take it see some improvement, some a great improvement and some not so much. But it's definitely worth looking into, especially considering there aren't many treatments available um, for Hashimoto's as it is already. I have some information on how to go about dosing LDN that you can read about here as well, but I just wanted to introduce you to that topic. So that's pretty much it um, on the natural therapies for Hashimoto's. If you guys have any questions at all, um, let me know uh, in the comments below and I'll do my best to answer them. If you want to check out the references of all the things that we've discussed here, you can see a list of it on my blog. So you can go to all the studies which I've referenced here um, as well. And um, otherwise, I will see you guys in the next one.